0: For the summer after my college graduation, I spent those three months living with my family. If I wasn't doing my job as a remote marketer, I was using my time to catch up after being away for so many years. One of our go-to activities, always and forever, was and is movie night. So much so that at one point in time, movie night was every night. Though something that I noticed as an adult is unless it was Spongebob, we almost never watched TV shows. At least, not as our primary choice. It seemed that we liked movies because there was a definite structure to the stories that we could plan around. With a movie, you know when the movie starts and when it's going to end, and it happens one time. With the TV show, especially non-serial ones, you kind of experience a restart every 15, 30, or 45 minutes, and it lasts for hours. So in some ways, if you look at it like that, me as a child would say, why choose crack when there's three seasons of Spongebob? Yeah, When I was a kid, there were only three seasons of Spongebob, which still drove my mother nuts. Then again, when I was a kid, Apple TV Plus wasn't a thing either, so you can imagine how much of a game-changer Ted Lasso was for us. That was really the first show where the entire family couldn't stop watching it, and everybody looked forward to it. One of my favorite parts, just to give you a taste if you haven't seen it yet, is when one of the characters, Rebecca, teaches another character, Nate, how to be assertive and build up his confidence. Rebecca demonstrates with her own tradition, which involves her going into a bathroom by herself and making herself appear bigger, kind of like how animals will do this to intimidate predators. This, in theory, actually still rings true with us. They don't call this in the show, but it's a technique known as power posing. A lot of keynote speakers actually use this technique. And apparently, it worked so well that Nate was in silent awe when she did it, and another character who was in the room, Keely, whispered, Fuck, you're amazing. Let's invade France. Borealis Entertainment presents Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home, a podcast memoir by MK Lott. Chapter 6 Park City in Winter. Through the power of networking, I had gotten a job in the sales and marketing department of a film studio a few months after I graduated college. Now, around this time, I had a year or two's experience with marketing and aside from some fun little conversations, not that much in sales. So suffice it to say, this job was a mix of old and new, but at the time, it was more of a mix of kind of familiar and straight up terrifying. Though I will say what I liked in experience, I made up for with ideas. One of the superpowers, as I like to call it, that I had to develop in marketing is coming up with ideas on the spot and being able to pivot when an idea wouldn't pan out as well as I was expecting. And that's really the key. You nurture what works and discard what doesn't, so I was able to spitball plans and pivot at will. Now, I was a few months into the job and February was right around the corner. For those who don't know, February is a huge month for American filmmakers, if not filmmakers across the globe. And that's because of a little known event known as Sundance. This is easily the biggest film festival in the United States and arguably the second only to Cannes as the biggest in the world. It's headquartered in Park City, Utah, which is also something of a skiing capital in its own right, and is one of the biggest hotspots for the film industry outside of California and New York. Thankfully for us, Park City was our backyard, so I began to scheme up something worth trying. What if we asked communal workspaces in Park City to let us do some quick 30-second ads for their members where we can interview them about what makes their business fantastic? And What better time to do that than when the entire film industry has culminated together for a couple of days? Then we found out what blackout dates were, and for the sake of not getting blacklisted, we decided to plan the times for post-Sundance. Happens to all of us. I pitched the idea to the studio. They absolutely loved the idea, and I was assigned to making sure it happened. So it was settled. I was going to drive to Park City at around the end of January to go and pitch our services to communal workspaces and a filmmaking hotspot. This idea was bulletproof. I had this in the back pocket, and this felt like one of the very rare cases that the stars aligned in our favor, and we were going to get some good financial grounding. But as you can probably tell, As the stars were aligning, there was what felt like one star that was struggling just a little too much, and trust me, it wasn't them, it it was me. Remember, I didn't have that much experience as a salesman, let alone a traveling salesman. An anxious part of myself couldn't help but start to assume that maybe they were sending in the worst guy to do this. Which is hilarious when I remember that they hired me for this very reason. As I was prepping my script for the big trip, over and over again, I had all these doubts that maybe I was too young to be taken seriously. Maybe I didn't have fancy enough clothing to look like a seasoned salesman. Maybe I was going to go through all this and deal with someone sleazy who'd say, sure, if you pay for our services. Then I'm the ding dong who has to go back to work and be like, so bad news, I didn't get a million dollars. But the good news is, I spent a million to try to get the million. I was terrified that maybe my bluff was called a little bit and I had no historical proof to prove otherwise. So that made my hour and a half long trip to Park City a treat. Seriously though, it was one of the best car rides I've ever had. Not that I'm an aficionado about car rides, but that was definitely a good memory. I tried to get as dapper as I could, and I set off on the longest path I could have taken from where I was to Park City, which was not my fault. You can thank Siri for recommending the longest path first, but I just saw it as a blessing in disguise. There was no solidified appointment time, not even a specific day I had to be there. So the longer I can make the trip, the more time I had to prep my script, make it a little more fluid, a little more natural, less like I'm reading off a teleprompter. Not like what I do with this podcast. I started doing that somewhat, just hitting key points on what we do, why I'm here talking to you today, rapport builders, all that jazz. And I found that I had the script down, But by the time I made it to the highway, I was running low on the confidence aspect. And for those in the sales world, you'll know that confidence is almost always, if not always, more important than the script. I had done the research, I had done rehearsal pitches with the team, I'd figured out the numbers exactly for how many days for this, this, and this, but the confidence was to be desired. Let's put it like that. And suddenly, I found the more I went through the script, the further away I got from my desire to just own the room. And embarrassingly, I reverted back to a coping mechanism where I just zone out. Almost like if I turn the world into white noise, I'm gonna be fine. And as you can imagine, the problem with that is you start to mentally neglect the world around you. I got about five, maybe 10 minutes into the trip and I found myself turning on white noise again. But unlike all the other times that I just let it play on, I decided to focus on something else, which is initially a huge no-no for me. I always had the mentality of, if you're going somewhere or you're about to do something, you've got to get locked on so that you don't get distracted and fumble. And I've got a few theories behind that. Maybe it's because of my previous jobs where I had to think fast in the moment. Maybe it's my background in sports, track and field especially, where all you focus on is literally getting from A to B. So I kinda took a gamble and just saw what would happen if I put faith in the future. Now, the roads Siri wound up taking me to Park City were almost like the back roads where it was almost all scenery. It was just gorgeous mountains and landscapes with occasional buildings here and there. But what really brought it home for me was the snow. I immediately discovered why Park City was a skiing capital as I was learning very quickly that I was driving directly into a northern Utah snowstorm. Think Mad Max, but festive. So I went from trying to find a happy place of sorts before my big trip to trying to find a happy place while heading into literal white noise. So I went tent 2 on the steering wheel and turned on my music. I decided to go with the Blade Runner 2049 soundtrack, just out of spur of the moment. And there's a track on the album called Mesa. It's a super ambient Hans Zimmer tune that's played when Ryan Gosling and Ana de Ramos fly by the seawall. That becomes a super important location later in the story. And that song, mixed with all these snowflakes flying by me as I was driving in the light gray fog that cloaked the mountains in the back with some of the winter tops poking out. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. It was this perfect way to just calm me down and focus on the present moment through the power of great scenery and music that was written specifically for a road trip. It was so calming, in fact, that the next couple of songs that started playing were Backstreet Boys songs. And I was in a state of mind of, well, I'm more of an NSYNC fan, but you know what? Today's a special day. I even started doing a little carpool karaoke since I was well into my karaoke phase as explained in chapter 4. And then it switched from Backstreet Boys to Sugar Ray and nothing changed. I I always like Sugar Ray, so I stick with them. My favorite songs by them, so I was just belting at that point. And mid-rock I began to notice that the steering and just my driving in general felt off. There was something that was completely new to me, and a part of me was almost positive that it was my brakes because they had never made this weird skidding feel like that before. That's when I began to notice that I used the term skid to describe it and I was suddenly in the middle of the road discovering what black ice feels like on your tires. Thankfully, I caught it early enough that I was able to just slow down, carefully get back on the right side of the road and by the time I figured that out, I could see that Park City was just a few minutes away. Probably should have stuck with NSYNC. Park City in winter is fascinating because the city really wanted to reveal itself block by block in the storm. Every intersection I stopped at, there was a new, sophisticated collection of buildings where every floor had its own hustle. Every floor had its own history despite some of them being pretty new. And it was fun for me because that's what inspires me about entering a new town. Everybody's doing their own thing. Everybody's got their own passion, their own drive, their own flow. It's so awesome to see so many people make something of themselves all at the same time. The deeper I got into town, the more excited I became of targeting workspaces. Finally, I made it to the first workspace. It was camouflaged right in the heart of a commercial building, so as I parked, I began to realize that maybe the challenge wasn't going to be pitching them more than it was just finding them so I could pitch them. I opened the car door and jumped right into a puddle that formed right along and took over the edge of a sidewalk. Not the best start, especially for my Kenneth Coles. But better than black ice. I wound up spending five minutes just walking around the building in the storm trying to find the damn lobby and not the door to another company or one that needed car key access. But finally, I got in and I found myself facing an elevator on my left and a flight of stairs on my right. Yet no clear directions or map. Just as I started looking around for something, I noticed an employee at one of the companies passing by me on her way to the stairs. She gave me a friendly, formal nod and said nothing. Although I didn't assume where she worked, I could immediately tell that her entire outfit was worth more money than what was in my bank account at the time. Excuse me, I inquired. You wouldn't happen to know if there's a communal workspace in this building? Second floor, she responded. I thanked her, and I had the elevator that waited patiently for me. And as I stood there, eyeing the only thing that stood between me and an early career sales pitch, the nerves started coming back. Almost like all the music I listened to, all the Backstreet Boys I rocked out to, all the soothing snow driving I had pre-black ice, went right out the window. And I did exactly what I would have done if I got dumped at prom, and retreated to the bathroom with some false dignity. Besides, this was a good excuse to clean my shoes. I spent a quick couple seconds to just wipe the outside of my shoes clean and I took a good long look in the mirror. I was young, definitely wasn't fooling anyone with this really short beard I had, and I might as well have had Sorry to Bother You written on my forehead. (laughs) I could have easily just turned around, gotten lunch at a sushi joint I saw on the GPS, and drove back home forging a story of Yeah, I tried to reason, but it just didn't work out. So, in this moment of a desperate fork in the road, I started getting another coping mechanism pop in my head. This time, it was reruns of Ted Lasso. Should I even try? I thought to myself. Before I knew it, my hands were already up in the air. Oh, guess I am. Now, I didn't growl like Rebecca did. That's not really my thing. By the way, she growled but I did try to revert to a moment of gratitude. and just started brainstorming all the things I was thankful for since one of, if not the best states of mind to be in at all times is gratitude and thankfulness. It's one of the states of mind that really helped me when I was struggling with COVID back in chapter three and aside from love, that's what everybody recommends. And while I had my hands up, I decided to arch my back and turn it into a stretch. Now, I'm sure this is more of a sign that I needed to stretch (laughs) But I just started feeling looser. The tension in my body was going away, so it felt like I was emptying space for calmness and confidence, kind of like what was happening in the car. And after a few seconds of uninterrupted power posing, I looked back at myself in the mirror and thought to myself, okay, you're good. You've done the work. Now get it done. And with that, I threw the paper towels away, shot my shoulders back, and marched into the elevator for the second floor. As the doors opened, the workspace was right within my line of sight. There wasn't any more time that I was allowed to waste. I was there, and I was there to get going and get the job done. I opened the door, walked through, and found myself in a gorgeous dapper lobby. Everything was so organized, it seemed that people threw things away Marie Kondo style. If it sparked joy, it was recycled. As I took note of no one managing the desk, A woman emerged from the break room, finishing up her last bite from lunch and wiping her hands clean from potato chip crumbs. We exchanged formalities and I got to the point pretty quickly. I represent a film studio and after seeing you guys online, we would love to collaborate with you and provide your members the ability to get an interview film that they can use for their ad campaigns. The woman was intrigued, suffice it to say, but as she gave me a tour of the workspace, it became clearer and clearer that this crowd was maybe not the most camera friendly. We really take pride in providing privacy for our members," she explained, which helped me understand the décor. Everything was visible, yet dark. Dark tones, dark colors, dark wood, even some of the lights felt appropriately dim. And as much as I continued to sell her as she continued to sell me on the space, we both began to realize that if the studio were to set up shop here, it would most likely be in vain. This was a space that breathed a mutual understanding that work should be free from disturbances. However, she said to me at the end of the tour, there is another workspace across the street that might be more your speed. When we got back to the desk, we exchanged contact information, shook hands, thanked each other for one another's time, and I proceeded my way out of the building to the other workspace. Despite the mental work I put in, it's always upsetting to get a no. And as a salesman, the word no turns the word yes into an anomaly. At the very least, I do enjoy the beauties of a window opening as a door closes. The second workspace I pursued, I immediately walked in, positing the first workspace as more of a warm-up. I got a no, so my guard was up, my energy was more driven forward, and I was still fueled by the power poses that I did in the bathroom. As I walked into this lobby, I could say with confidence that the difference between the two businesses was almost literally night and day. While the first workspace was dark and intimate and meticulous, this place was bright and loud and full of life. There was almost zero artificial light in the entire place. The windows were big enough that it could beam the entire building up with natural light. There were plants dangling from the ceiling, so vines and branches were hugging the walls. And I'm almost positive somebody just skateboarded around the offices unironically. Unlike the first business, as well, where everyone was on their lunch break and it was completely barren, this place was booming with entrepreneurs and networkers. If I just got done pitching to a communal workspace, I was now in the presence of a working community. I approached the desk to see a woman typing away at her computer that donned a pretty healthy lion's mane of sticky notes, and she greeted me warmly. Now, as I saw the logo, I remembered that I had actually contacted this business a few weeks prior. The problem was I never got someone to pick up the phone. So, I had a new objective. Not just sell to the workspace, but to sell to the workspace owner, whom for the sake of confidentiality, we'll call Sharon. Hi, I started. Do you happen to know if Sharon is in the office right now? Oh, unfortunately Sharon's not in at the moment, but I'd more than happily take a message for her. What can I do for you? Well, great, I'm a sales representative for a film studio in Salt Lake City. And after seeing you guys online, We'd love to make some interview ads for your members and possibly for you guys as well. The moment I said those words, her eyes immediately lit up. Oh, that's awesome, she exclaimed. Okay, now I'm Sharon. I then spent the next 15 minutes chatting with Sharon and discovering the culture of this new workspace. I did the same routine as I did with workspace number one, exchanged contact info in our commercial reel, and then drove back home with what became the biggest lead I had in months. Now, there may be some who find this trip to be in vain since I didn't get a sale right off the bat. But in the moment, getting a sale wasn't the sole goal. Internally, it was to be there. And not just be there in the sense of, yep, I showed up, you can't say otherwise. It was to be there despite the fear and the anxiety I had. It was to put in the work and have it be reflected in my actions in the spur of the moment. And in the moment, I knew I was going to be fine with whatever outcome came my way because I took the time to find the right mindset that brought me in the present moment. Even if that manifested itself as stretching in the bathroom of a random commercial building. Come to think of it, if I growled, I probably would have gotten the sale. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Get Lost You Can Find Your Way Home. I hope this episode leaves you better than it found you. And if you're curious about hymnotherapy or anything I mentioned in this episode, please feel free to reach out on Instagram at mklotprohobbyist and I would love to help in any way I can. Thank you as always for your attention and I can't wait to chat with you again. Until next time, here's to finding your way.